Can we just thank God for these kids, man? What an awesome week, huh? We have, uh, we really do have an incredible church here. Our, our team of people have just been incredible. Look at all these decorations that they've done. They were up here for the week before killing themselves. Uh, the week of, they were up here all day. And uh, on Friday, I saw some people came in about 8, between 8 and 8.30, and they were here through VBS. They cleaned up after VBS, and then they went on. We had this thing in the parking lot. We had the... Uh, the, the June Jamboree, we had to have it on the parking lot because the field was swampy from nine days of rain. Imagine that, right? It's the rainy season, folks, all right? So we're in, you know, tomorrow it's coming back. Anyhow, so we, uh, we had all that up here on the, on the field, and I saw some of those people that arrived at 8 o'clock in the morning didn't leave till nearly midnight. Can we thank God for that? What wonderful people we have in our church. <laughs> wonderful people. <clears throat> As you look around this morning, you see all these different, uh, all, all these different uh, uh, video, uh, you know, the different video games. You got uh, Mario over here, Luigi, all these guys, you know. And I just want to show you, uh, whenever I was a kid, what we played, all right? This, is, this was my game of choice. Needs the sound, please. There it is, all right? Does anybody remember that, you know? Doesn't that bring back good memories, you know? Listen to that. Now, now you got to watch this because you're going to see the power-up part that comes here. And, and it's just incredible. Watch. Here, here it comes. Here it comes. Get ready. Get ready. For those of you that don't know this game, I can never pronounce it. I think it's Galactica, right? There you go. And it powered up. Galaga, Galactica, whatever. I played it like crazy. Uh, you know, whenever I was a kid, there were only a couple options, and they weren't options at home. You had to go to, like, the arcade place. And so I went to this place up in Dormont. I grew up in Dormont. went to this place called Dormont News. And I would go into Dormont News, and I was a newspaper boy, so I'd go collecting, and I would have just pockets filled with quarters, right? And so you'd go up to the arcade game, and you'd put your quarters across the top. And that's how you knew how long the guy in front of you would be playing. So if I'd put six quarters up there, and you'd just be playing there forever, right? I could make one quarter go like 10, 12 minutes because I was just, you know, I got into that game. That was my game, and, you know, you learn how to just make everybody irritated waiting in line behind you, right? Either you had Pac-Man, you had that, and you had, like, Centipede. And it was just like there were only a few choices, and then all of a sudden everything got crazy, and people started, uh, you know, now you got them at home, and you, you've got your Xbox, you've got every game. But you know what? We used a, a, a theme this week power up because the kids understand to power up in a video game, don't they? They understand uh, you got to go over here, you got to hit this button to get power, you know? Uh, I, I know, uh, I remember back in the day playing some of those games, you had to tap it real fast to get the power, and you know, the more you got, the more power you got, and, and so you go through this, and you, you go have all this fun in this game, and so we took that, and we said, we gave them that theme verse this week, First Peter 1, 3, we said that God has given you all the power that you need to live a godly life. And so, you know, when we hear godliness, we, we, we hear a godly life, we, we get a little bit afraid sometimes because we know it's, it's hard right, to do that in your own strength. But God says he's given you the power to do it. So there's what you can do in your own strength, and then there's the power that God gives you. So this morning, what I thought we'd do is let's take a look at that passage. They, they had a great week, and man, I'm just thinking what a privilege it is for us to take little kids' lives and to, and to ground them, to give them this opportunity to be grounded for a future with a godly life. 
And, and that's what you as parents want. That's what you as grandparents want for your kids, for your grandchildren. For, that's what you want for your own life is like, wow, a, a godly life. But, but yet we're afraid of it because we think we cannot attain it. And let me share with you how that you can attain that godly life here. Second yeah, Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant, uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he, he tells us who he's writing this to. He says, I'm writing this to those who through the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. So what he says, he says, look, I'm writing this to other believers who have a faith that is as precious as mine. Peter got to see Jesus. Peter went fishing with Jesus. Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So Peter was on the boat with Jesus. They were fishing together. They, he was there when he broke the bread and had fi- fed 5,000 people. It was really an exciting time for Peter. And so Peter's faith was precious, man. He got to spend time with Jesus face to face. He saw all the miracles. He's, he saw all the, all the cool stuff. But you know what? He also had a faith that was up and down. Jesus told him that he'd deny, he would deny him, that Peter would deny Jesus three times. And so what's, what happens? We see Peter's up. We see Peter's down. Peter's up. Peter's down. And so we see him all over the map. And he says, I have a precious faith. And, and I'm writing this to those of you who believe in the righteousness of God, what he did. And, and so here it is. It's, it's a righteousness that God gives us. It's not our own. You cannot earn your way into heaven. You know, that, that is what is so exciting and what is so encouraging. You know, I, I, yeah, I would always encourage people to be good, right? You would never go tell somebody, hey, just live reckless and wreck your life and do whatever. God says that our good, even on our best day, is not good enough to get us to God. Jesus had to come to this earth and die on the cross to pay for your sin. Now, this is so incredible because he, he loved you enough. He knows the problem that we have is our sin problem. And he says, so I'm going to come and I'm going to die. I'm going to take the price. He was the only one who could do this for us. You see, it says the righteousness to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So he talks about the Savior, Jesus Christ. Folks, faith, a precious faith comes from faith in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. Uh, He says that he's the Savior. Uh, Grace and peace, verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So this is like he's opening the letter, and he's giving them these encouraging words, but he reminds them, because there were a lot of false teaching in that day, and people had these, uh, there were other teachers that said, well, we kind of have this niche on, on, uh, you know, here's the extra, if you do this, and you do these extra things, and follow our extra doctrines, and somehow that uh, you'll be a part of a a, a special group that that, that has arrived and nobody else has, And, and Peter's clearing that up. He says, listen, it, it, there's nothing special. You're, you're, the, the only special is the cross, what Jesus did. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. It is his righteousness plus nothing that gets you into heaven. Uh, and when he used that word Savior in the first verse, people understood the word Savior because you could, you could call a physician. You could look at a doctor and call him a Savior because he helped deliver the body from pain. 
Uh, he helped to deliver him from the limitations of a broken body. So, uh, you know, you got a good doctor, you say, man, that guy's my savior, right? Uh, a, a victorious general, uh, somebody in the military, he could deliver people from defeat. They would call him a savior. Uh, even a wise official, a savior, he could be known as a savior because he kept the nation in order and, uh, and he stopped, uh, he, he delivered it from confusion, from all the problems, right? So, so you would call that guy a savior. Well, Paul, uh, Peter here takes this word savior and he applies it to Jesus. He says, he is the savior. He is our savior. He, the righteousness we get the, through, to those who through the righteousness of God through our savior, Jesus Christ. And he's referring to how that God is the great physician. He heals your heart. He's the only one who can do that. So he comes and he takes the burden of sin and he heals your heart. Um, He's the victorious conqueror. He's defeated our enemies. And so he comes and he does all this for you. And so in order to be a savior, he had to give his life on the cross for us. He had to die on the cross. He had to pay for your sin. And so it, it, it's the greatest exchange ever. You come to God with your sin and he gives you his righteousness. It, it, it doesn't make sense to us, but this is what he did. And so he comes and he says, I know that you are walking away from me. I am coming and I'm pursuing a relationship with you. There's only one way that you will get to heaven, and that's through what Jesus does on the cross. Look here at 2 Corinthians 5.21. Powerful verse here this morning. Let's read this aloud together. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. There's one way to heaven, it's Jesus Christ. And so he has given us this this ability to have a relationship with him because of what he did on the cross. Uh, It says here, he was the offering for our sin. In, in the Old Testament, you see that they would come and they would, they would take an animal sacrifice and they would kill the animal and they would sacrifice the animal. And as they would sacrifice that animal, um, that, that would be a, a foreshadowing to the cross of Jesus Christ. But Jesus says here that he was the sacrifice. He was the one who died on the cross. Um, over in Titus 3, 5, check this verse out. It says that he saved us not because of the righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. You see that? His mercy, his grace. He washed away our sins. He gave us a new birth and a new life through the Holy Spirit. So God is giving us new life. And, and then this, this next verse here, you know, you, it, we've seen the righteousness, three key words in those two verses. We see the righteousness of God. We see grace and peace that come to us because of Jesus Christ. And so look here at this 1 Peter 5.10. He says here, but may the grace, may the God of all grace. That's, that's a powerful name for you to understand the character of God. He's the God of all grace. When you hear the word grace, think God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a nice little acrostic. God's riches at Christ's expense. Um, your, your salvation, your getting into heaven is free, but it was not cheap. It, Jesus paid for it with his life. And he bought you back that you might have eternal life. So it's God's riches at Christ's expense. May the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, he's the one who draws us unto himself. Um, We didn't find him. He drew us to himself, okay? He calls us unto himself. After you have suffered a while, 
He will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, there's a phrase in there that I would rather not be in there. After you have suffered for a while. Peter understood all about suffering. If you're going to follow Christ, you know, I always thought following Christ, my life will be happy-go-lucky, everything will be easy, it'll be fluff. There's so much more to the Christian life than fluff. He's given us some deep substance. He's given us this righteousness of God. And Peter here says, after you've suffered for a while, do you realize that there is suffering in this life that we live? The, the apostles who followed Jesus, uh, the 11 that remained after Jesus died, most of them were martyred. Uh, he, says, he says after, and so Peter, Peter's writing this, a year later he dies. He, he, he dies, uh, and so, so here he is. He, he's writing this. He says, after you have suffered this a while, uh, per, he will perfect you. Uh, think, when you hear the word perfect in the Bible, when he says perfect you like that, think complete, mature. He's going to mature your faith. So these little kids that are coming in here, and you saw them up here this morning, and we had them last service, this service. There's just been kids all over this place. Isn't it awesome to see a church that has kids, you know? Just phenomenal. I love it. Thank God for that this morning, man. It's just powerful. Um, and thank God for our team down there, man. That, I, I went down on Friday and saw Mrs. Metcalf try to lead uh, three- and four-year-olds, I think it was. I don't know how old they were, but try to pray with them. Um, I could barely do it with the two that I had at home when they were little. And she's doing it with 10 of them. And I was like, oh, God, please let her live to be 100. You know, she's phenomenal, okay? She's just wonderful. She loves those kids, and she's planting seeds. You know, we plant acorns, and we grow mighty oak trees. And that's what God's doing in our church right now. And so, so that's what we do. But you know what? Those little kids, they get this faith, and they start with childlike faith. And that's what God says, have faith like a child. You are going to have problems. And so, you know, as you, as you grow in life, the, the, the winds of life toss you back and forth. And all of a sudden, you start to have pain. And so as you deal with this pain, here's what happens. Pain can either drive you to Christ or you can walk away from Christ. And that's a very strategic moment in your life. Um, and, and, and so I, I want you to catch this because he says here that after you've suffered a while, your faith becomes mature. Perfect. That means complete, mature. He says that you'll be established. I want you to think of a pillar. You know, when, when I think of established, I, th- I think of these kids that come into this church at 3, 4, 5, 7, 10, 12, 19, 20, all these ages. I guess 19, 20 is not a kid anymore, right? But when you see this, look, I see established. They become established in life, but they're going to deal with pain. You're going to deal with heartache. You're going to deal with trials. You're going to deal with troubles. He says that he will establish them. Like the pillars on the porch out there, they'll be there. And, and you know what? I want to see our kids in our church be here in 20 years from now. I want to see the kids that are down, that you just saw on the stage, lead this vacation Bible school in about 10 years. I want to see them come back on their college days. You know, I'm looking at Hunter Curry up here. I saw Hunter Curry. He is established in his faith. Man, I remember when Hunter started to come around the church. He was growing in his faith. God has established him in his faith. You know what I saw Hunter Curry do as a college student? What, how are you, 20 now? All right, 20, there you go. I saw Hunter Curry this week up here emceeing this vacation Bible school. 
And he shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I'd say that's established. Can we thank God for what he's done in your life, man? That's cool, man. And what's crazy is I remember whenever I was the Hunter Curry. And I came back and people were like, who is that man? He's so good looking. <laughs> now you know I'm lying, right? No. But they, 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 they saw that. And, and look, I'm still established in my faith. And this is what I want for you. I want you to become established in your faith. But know that there's trials and that there's pain and there's hardship. And there's things that are just going to be really hard about life. He says... The God of all grace, oh, he's so gracious. He knows that you stumble. He knows that you fall. He knows that all the pain you're going to go through. And he says, who he called us to his eternal glory. After you suffered, he will not only perfect you. He'll not only establish you. He will strengthen you and he will settle you. Oh, that one speaks to my heart. You know, whenever I have problems in life, I, I get really messed up. And you do too. Whenever something is on our mind, there's a problem, there's a trouble, there's a calamity. We focus on that trouble, that problem, that calamity, and our heart just becomes unsettled. Uh, Last night there was a baby here in our service, um, and, and the baby just wouldn't stop. The baby was not settled. And you know that happens from time to time, right? And the poor mom had to get up and walk around the foyer for the rest of the service because the baby just was not settled. And, uh, and I thought, boy, that's exactly what my life is like whenever I'm looking at the problems, I'm looking at all the trouble. I'm unsettled. I'm, ah, ah, I just, I can't get comfortable. And the scripture says here that after, you've su- after you have suffered a while, God is going to settle your heart. Whoa. Whoa, that's a gracious God. He doesn't have to do that. He does it because he loves you. He cares for you. And he has a plan for your life. And so as we are established in him, we'll grow. Listen, these kids up here this morning, man, it's so powerful. I know what's going to happen. They're going to get into high school. And, uh, and they're going to want a guy to talk to them. Or, the, or, or a girl. Each in perspective there, right? And, and then... And then they're going to get their heart broken because the other person didn't talk to them. Or they're going to hang out with them and they're going to face a breakup and that breakup's going to be painful, right? And they're going to face all that. That's part of life, right? And then they're going to go apply for a job and they won't get the job that they want. And, and then they're going, to, they're going to want to get into a college and they, they can't get into the college that they want to get into because it's, it, their grades didn't make it or whatever. And they're, they're going to face all these problems in life. And then they're going to become adults. And then you know, 20 years from now, some of them are going to face some health crisis that we can never even comprehend. And, and so, so many different things and, and relationship crisis. And you know what? God says, listen, I know you're going to suffer, but I will settle your heart. And that's what we did this week. We're planting seeds of faith. Oh, my. I heard one, one whole class prayed and said yes to Jesus. I mean, it's like, man, they're all getting excited. There must be, I don't know, 40 kids that said yes to Jesus this week. Isn't that awesome? I mean, thank God for that, folks. Thank, that. thank God for that. And, and, and so what, what happens is we, we plant these seeds, and we grow and establish them. And God settles their hearts. And so I want you to, to know this week that, you know, some, some of the kids that came in here uh, this week, they may not have good parents like you this morning. 
and their heart's going to be broken and God's going to be with them. God's going to settle their heart. Isn't that powerful? Here's a little kid come in and parents are divorcing and they're just crying. They don't know what house they're going to be staying from back and forth. God says, just tell them how much I love them. But to settle their heart. That's what God does, folks. He settles their hearts. They're, they're his kids. And you know what? I think this morning, some of you are walking in with that pain. You have similar pain. God's settling your heart. He's talking to you. He says, hey, you know what's so cool? He doesn't promise to take the pain away, but he promises to settle your heart. And I'm just so thankful for that this morning. That's why we do what we do here. That's why we build lives. And so I want to invite you to a relationship with that kind of God. It's his righteousness. It's his grace. It's his peace. Look here at Romans 5.1. says this, it is the peace of God. Therefore, read this with me. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Wow. Because of what Jesus has done for us. How are we right with God? Not because of what you've done for him, but because of what he did for you. He died on the cross. He paid for your sin. And he says, all that you have to do is receive my gift of eternal life. Just trust me. Place, place your heart in my hand. Trust me. He gives you peace. Oh, folks, it is, the relationship with God, that is what makes us tick here. That's why we do what we do here every week. And that's why we, so many people gave tirelessly this week. That's why people come up and made, uh, what is it called, 8-bit photography up there, right? You know, that's why, I mean, that took about four days for somebody to make. I know, I smelled the glue gun all week, you know. It's unbelievable. Why'd they do that? Because they want the kids to find the power of God. And look here at verse 3. Uh, I'm sorry, I've got to stick to my outline, right? So uh, faith involves God's power. Precious faith is not only in Jesus, but involves God's power. When you place your faith in him, he gives you his power. Um, look here, Second Peter 1, 3. Read, read, let's read this verse aloud together. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Wow. God's power, his divine power has given you what you need to live a godly life. Folks, listen. Religion says work harder, try harder. Jesus says, I did the work. And I'm going to empower you to do what I want you to do. Do you see the difference? All our life, we've been taught a, 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 a reward system. And God says, the reward was the cross. I paid for it. I laid down my own life. I left heaven. I came to earth. I became one of you. And I laid down my life. And I willingly did it. And I took every bit of pain. And I knew that there would be people that would hear my message and walk away from me and spit on me and, and deny me and everything. But he did it anyhow because he loved you. It was not an accident. The cross was not an accident. He did that. And then not only did he give you the right to become a child of God, not only did he make you right, this verse here says that he's given us the power. 
And he's given us everything. His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life. It was the cross. Uh, it, his, his word. Uh, he's given us everything that we need through the knowledge of him who has called us, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And, and so that's why I want to encourage you to, uh, to, to get into God's word and get to know him. Uh, faith comes, you know, faith, uh, precious faith also uh, comes with God's promises. I want you to think about that. Precious faith comes from God's promises. His word. You go home and read his word. Folks, if you don't have a Bible, I want to encourage you. Stop by our Welcome Center. We'll give you a Bible. We are on stock. We are prepared. We are ready to hand these out today. I want you to go over there, and it's a, it's a Bible that you'll be able to just pick up and start reading and go to the book of John. And I, I always encourage people, start with the book of John. You know why? Because that's the eyewitness account of Jesus. And so John, uh, just go out there. They're free. Just say, hey, pastor said I can have a Bible, and, and they're ready for you. They'll, they'll give you a Bible. Several went out after the first service today. I want to encourage you, take it and get to know him. Why? Because look here. Uh, this is where his promises are. You're not going to find them in your, in your sleep. You're going to find them in his word. Second Peter 1.4, through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Folks, we live in a world where, where, where there's so much evil, isn't there? I mean, you can have, they're, they're, we're walking around with computers in our pocket with temptations everywhere. Um, there, there's just so many, so many evil things that the world is coming out after us. And so, God, when, when you came to Jesus, here's what he says. He says, he has given us this great and precious promise, his word, so that you may participate in the divine nature. You know, your nature determines a lot of things about you. Uh, for example, uh, nature determines appetite. Uh, a pig wants to hang out in the slop. A dog will eat its own vomit. But the sheep desires green pastures. Uh, a sheep doesn't want to go into the ocean and swim very often, right? And a dolphin doesn't want to go to green pastures. Uh, nature determines behavior. Uh, an eagle flies because it's an eagle's nature. It's, and a dolphin swims because that, that's the nature of a dolphin. Uh, nature determines environment. You're gonna, you know, your environment, uh, sheep, uh, squirrels climb in trees, moles burrow underground, trout swim in the water. And so I want you to think about this this morning because God's given us this divine nature. He says you get to participate in the divine nature of God. So when, when, when you come to Jesus... And, and you follow him. You say, God, I'm trusting you as my personal savior. There's something happens to you. You become his child. And now, all of a sudden, you start to have different desires. And you, ha- you, you have a different, thing, a different MO in your life. And, and so the only normal fruit-bearing life for the child of God is a godly life. So a child of God, his nature is a godly life. And so this is so cool. Instead of, oh, man, you know, when I heard the word godliness as a kid, I was scared because I couldn't be godly. I couldn't live up to it. And I felt like, oh, I couldn't be that holy. And so, listen, God says, I'm going to produce it in you. I can do this in you. And so faith, a precious faith, and he, he uses this word precious about 12 times in his letter. It's really cool. He says this precious faith that you get to have results in spiritual growth. 
Look here. Um, um, 2 Peter 1, 5. We're going we're gonna to unfold this verse here. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Uh, so, listen, he's not telling you to add to your faith to go to heaven. He has already clarified it. That's why he said, through the righteousness, through God's grace, and through his peace, all through Jesus Christ, that's how you got your precious faith. But Peter says, now I want your faith to grow. And he says, add to it. So when we think add, we think two plus two equals four. But the word there in the Greek is really written like this, to lavishly support and give to it, okay? Uh, it, it's, it comes from a word that, uh, that was used from when the Greeks would go and they would perform. Uh, it means hand in hand, to lead hand in hand. And so they would come together and kind of like whenever they'd have a performance and it would be a, a, like a dance on a stage type of thing, they'd be locked hand in hand. The closest I can think of is like, you know, when those river dance, you see them river dance people and they're all, they're all doing that and they're all over the place, right? And they're, they're, they're locked, right? Um, he says, I want you to join hands with me. I want you to join hands with God. And so your faith, you, can't, you don't get to heaven by anything else. But he says, I want you to grow. And he, he, he describes what every parent wants for their kid. He describes what every one of you want for your life. He says, I want you to add this to your life. So, so you come and you lock hands with him. And he produces this in us because he's the lead. He's the lead. And so as God leads us, we're going to follow here, right? He says to add to your faith goodness. And it's the, it's a, it, some translations use the word virtue. It means moral excellence. The, the, word behind, the, the, the Greek word is excellence. So he's saying add, add good things to your life, excellent things. And, and watch God help you in your, in your moral growth. Wow, this is what God does. And so who wouldn't want that for your kid? Everybody wants your kid to have that. Everybody. And in your life, we, we strive for that. But we don't get it by trying harder. We get it by holding hands with God. And as you hold hands with God, he's the one who transforms it. He says, and to goodness, add knowledge. And so you think, first of all, you think knowledge. You think of the knowledge of the Bible. So uh, P- he, Peter also tells us, but grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So that's why we want the kids to learn memory verses. That's why I want you I want to challenge you to memorize a verse. How about start with one verse a month? Yeah, maybe there's a verse. Maybe you could start with First Peter, uh, chapter. I'm sorry, Second Peter, chapter one, verse three. Right? Maybe you could memorize that verse this week. Go home and, and just, so you come to church, you hear a verse, jot it down. Go home and memorize it. Commit it to memory. All right? He says the knowledge, but it's more than just knowledge, like facts. It's like knowing somebody. You know, if you if you know me. You might say, yeah, I know Pastor Ken. He speaks too long on a regular basis, right? You know Pastor Ken. He drives a white car, a white Nissan. You know him. He lives in Phillyville. But if you really know me, you know my sense of humor from sitting down at, a, at, at lunch together. You know from the time that we've spent together. You know my shortcomings. You know everything about me. And, and that's what the real concept here is, know God. Like, don't just know about them. Spend time with them. And I want to encourage everyone, please, take God's word. Go home and start. Start in the book of John. That's a great place to start. But get to know him, and it will, it will produce. It's going to produce in your life. He says, on top of knowledge, he says, to add, add to knowledge self-control. Now, who doesn't want their kid to have self-control, right? 
Um, you know, it, it's, it's like self-control. It's being able to deal with that temper that goes off. It's amazing how, how our tempers just can light off. And, you know, I, I, I said in the first service, sometimes us as men, we just have this self-control problem with our temper. And, uh, and you know, some, maybe some of your wives have it too. I don't know, okay? But it's like we, we all have this. We, we have to deal with it. It's self-control. And, and so as we deal with self-control, we know that there's something that we have to place a control in our life or else it can be destructive, Oh my! Listen, I, I was reading about self-control in the in the scriptures. Proverbs sixteen thirty-two says that it is better to be patient than powerful. Better to have self-control than conquer a city. Wow! Proverbs twenty-five twenty-eight says a person without self-control is like a city with broken-down walls. In the, in the days of writing of the Bible, they had walls to protect the city. He says, a person without self-control is like broken down walls. There's no protection. A city without walls is destroyed. It's laid in ruins. We studied Nehemiah this year. We talked about the rebuilding of that wall around the city of Jerusalem. The city had been destroyed. God says that when you have a life without self-control, your walls are broken down and your life gets destroyed. Wow. And you know what? You don't get self-control by trying harder and trying to work at self-control. You get self-control by knowing Jesus more, by hanging out with him. You know, I always tell people, you know, if, 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 if you come over and you, you're trying to teach a kid and you tell, tell them about that outlet over there, and you say, hey, don't touch that outlet over there. Don't touch the outlet. You tell them five times not to touch the outlet. As soon as you turn your back, he's going to go lick the outlet. I mean, that's just what happens, right? Human nature. So the way that we do this is not by focusing on the outlet. By focusing on where our power comes from. And we focus in on him. So, so, so that deals with, uh, self-control deals with dealing with pleasure. Then the next one is self-control. We add perseverance. Perseverance means this, to patiently um, endure. Patient endurance. And so there's, one deals with pleasure. Self-control deals with pleasure. Patient endurance deals with um, the ability to handle hard times. I endure. Life is going to be hard. We must know that it's hard. We must know that there's a challenge. And so he says, look, this is the kind of person that God has given us the power. We've been telling the kids all week, you have the power from God. His divine power has given you everything you need to live a godly life. And now he's spelling it out to have self-control and to be able to endure. Do you know what it is? I want these kids in our church to be here when they're 20 years old as those pillars. They've got to patiently endure. And you know what? We as parents, we as the church, God has got to grow our faith so that we patiently endure. You're going to face hard times. If you haven't faced them, they're coming. And do not be weathered by that, by that pain. Make that pain the time that you come closer to Jesus and he produces this in you. Because, listen, when, it, when it's storming outside, I want you to catch this. When they're calling for a tornado, what do they do? They tell you to go in the basement and hide. And what happens when the tornado comes in our life, we typically run into it. We want to run away from it, and we get hurt farther. So God tells us, listen, the, tornado's here. the tornado is here. Hide in me. Hide in him. In the cleft of the rock, hide in him. And so when we come to him, he produces that perseverance, that patient endurance. So go to the next one here, the next part of the verse here. 
And to perseverance, we add godliness. Godliness is that ability to be right with God and right with man. Somebody came to me, actually about three people came to me this week, all giving the same person a compliment. They said, I really like this person. I said, yeah, they're great people. I really like this person. And you know what? They started to describe qualities. And you know what this quality of this person is? This person is right with God, and they're right with man. They're right with each other. They, they have cleared up the relationships. They are, they are clean. They love. They care. They're right with God. They're clean. They love, their, they love the Lord their God. And they clean. They love. They love the person next to them. And they don't hold grudges. They don't hold bitterness. And it's like, wow, that is so attractive. That is what we all want our life to be. And you know what? All I could say was that person I know is walking with Jesus. Not that this person has tried harder. This person walks more with Jesus. And so as they're walking with Jesus, he has produced perseverance. They have not quit. And, and by the way, that, that person has had unsurmountable problems in their life and has never complained. Never. I've never heard this person come to me and complain about their problem. And it's amazing. Why? Because they're walking with Jesus. They're walking with Jesus. Uh, Perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, what do we add to godliness, he says here? To brotherly kindness that we add. It's the the Greek word phileo. It's where we get the the word Philadelphia. The city of brotherly shove, right? You know what I mean? Uh, I'm sorry, city of brotherly love, right? And so it's like, you know, the city of brotherly love. That's what that's supposed to be. And so he says, listen, you are... You're growing in your faith. You're going to brotherly love. That's just general kindness. I'm going to be generally kind to people. I'm going to be accepting. I'm going to be loving and kind. I'm going to uh, say hi to you. You say hi back. That's kind of brotherly love. But he says on top of brotherly kindness, add love. And so there's two Greek words for, for uh, actually there's multiple Greek words, but the two that are used here is phileo, and then you go to love. The last one translated love there is agape. And so that means unconditional love, and that's how Jesus loves us. He died on the cross for you without condition. He paid the price for you once for all, forever. And so, folks, this is the character. Don't you want to see that? Don't you want to see that kind of character in your life? Don't you want to see strong faith that produces goodness, produces knowledge of God, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and truly unconditional love. That last one, love, is to love when you don't love me. Wow. Your neighbor has offended you. You love your neighbor, even though they've offended you. Whoa. That's big. That takes a lifetime, folks. Some of these kids may catch it faster than we did. They're growing. But they're going to be hitting the hard times. And their friends are going to leave them out and make fun of them and all these different things. It's coming. And then it gets into high school, it gets real ugly. Then it gets into college, it gets even more interesting. Then you become 50 and it gets really wild, right? And I'll never forget, I told the story before. My dad, uh, he didn't like the neighbor's tree. We lived in Dormont. She had a tree living, it was right on the property line. The fence went right along the line. He always wanted to cut it down. She, she just wanted shade. My dad tried to kill the tree all the time, like pouring gas down on it. I was like, Dad, really? It's just a tree. That was before, you know, it was illegal to kill trees, I guess. I don't know, but it was just kind of crazy. Look here at the next verse. 
He says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we don't possess self-control, perseverance, goodness, agape love, what's the scripture say? You become ineffective. Isn't that a sad thought? Isn't that a sad thought that, that listen, these things here, they're, they're, they're not, they don't get you to heaven. Being kind and all that. But I'll tell you what, they're the icing on the cake. You know, I don't think I can eat cake without icing. It's just a personal problem that I have, right? I love icing. As a matter of fact, I'd rather eat the icing than the cake. You know, if I come to your birthday party, just give me the icing. I don't even need the cake, you know? But do you ever go to a birthday party and there's no icing on the cake? Happy birthday to you. We got a pound cake for you, you know? You'd just be like, what? Pineapple and a cherry, that's it? Come on, I lived the whole year for this, you know? And it's just like, wow, it really hurts. It really does. Go back to that verse, the slide before here. I want to show you this. Just move back one. Maybe two. All right, there we go. Goodness, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love. It's the icing on your faith. It doesn't get you to heaven. But it sure makes you taste a lot better. And the world needs you to taste a lot better. Needs me to taste a lot better. And so, you know what? I look through that list and I say, I don't want to be ineffective. I don't want to be ineffective. And then jump over there to verse 9. I'm going to jump over to verse 9. If anyone does not have those things, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. He's missed it. He's missed that God forgave him of his past. He's holding everybody else. He's mean. He's terrible. He's lost his temper all the time. He's just not good. He's not kind. Wow. God says that's the picture of an ineffective Christian. He says if you want to be effective, put the icing on the cake. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to trust Jesus. I want to invite you to, to come to him. Maybe you're here this morning and say, Pastor Ken, I've not trusted Jesus yet. I don't even have the cake, you'll own the icing. And this morning, I want to start there. I want to start with the cake. I want to start with faith in Jesus Christ, that he died, that he paid for my sin once and for all. I want to place my faith in him. And if that's you, I invite you to pray with me this morning and just to call on him. And if, if you would do this, just, just quietly pray after me something like this. Just pray something like this to God. Dear God, I come before you, and I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. And I'm trusting you right now that you did that for me. God, I invite you into my life. I ask that you will transform me from the inside out. Thank you for loving me. God, thank you for giving me the power to do what you want me to do. And for others in this room this morning, maybe you've been trying to live the Christian life on your own, but 
You're dealing with the temper. You're dealing with the anger. You're dealing with pleasures. You're dealing with hard times. You're tempted just to throw in the town, quit, and give up. Um, you're dealing with life. And I want to encourage you to take your eyes off of life and put it on to Jesus. Because that's where life begins. So this morning, I want to invite you to trust him. Even as a follower of Christ. Like, like the, to trust him to produce these things in your life. And the scripture says to make every effort... So that means to get up tomorrow and, and spend some time. Maybe you could set your alarm 10 minutes earlier and get up. Spend 10 minutes with Jesus before you start your day tomorrow. Maybe at work you could carve out 10 minutes at lunch to meet up with him again. Maybe in the evening you can carve out another 10 minutes and you're, you just start to spend time with him. And it just, as you just keep this going, watch what God will do in your life. And all of a sudden, you see goodness. And you, you say, okay, these are areas of my life. And, you know, there's areas on that seven that I looked at, and I said, well, I'm weak in a couple of those. God's not mad. He's not upset. I'm the one missing out. My neighbors are missing out because there's no icing on my cake sometimes. I want to invite you. Make every effort to put the icing on the cake. Lord, be with your people this morning. We just are so thankful that we have this opportunity to change little kids' lives. God, thank you for Vacation Bible School, Lord. It was just a great day. People were coming and going, both services today, and people were all over the map vacationing, and we've had such a fun week here. But God, I know that you've transformed kids' lives. And God, I know that in this room this morning, you've transformed a few adults' lives. You've given them something new. Somebody in this room today, Lord, opened their heart and trusted you, and, and you're laying the foundation of faith. And Lord, for others, they're, they're struggling with some other areas. They're, they're, they're struggling with uh, goodness. They're struggling with perseverance. They're struggling with uh, self-control and, and love and brotherly love. God, we, we don't want to be ineffective. We want to be powerful people. We, we want to be your servants and transform this world for Jesus Christ. God, I ask that you'll do great and mighty things in our, the people's lives, our church family, Lord. Start in my life. Start in each one of our lives here. Use us and uh, transform our character. Thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, folks, we're glad that you're here this morning. Next Sunday, we are going to be having that Imani Children's Choir. They're from Uganda, Africa. And this place will be incredible. So you don't want to miss it. Invite a friend for that. It'll be a great, great time. I know several families in our church are hosting them in their homes. It's going to be an incredible experience for those folks as well. And then the following week, starting in July, the month of July, we're doing a series entitled Summer at the Movies. So I want to encourage you, bring a friend out. It's going to be a fun series. We're going to show a couple video clips, and you're going to hear a whole lot of God's Word at the same time. All right? So God bless you. You are dismissed. Greet those around you. God bless you. Have a good day.